Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have the one and only Mr. Peter Duffy and the oh-so-famous Mike Correra. <laughs> was that a good intro, guys? Did, was that good? That yeah. sound good? Yeah. Let's try to live up for it. Yeah, should we try to live up for it? <laughs> hey, guys, for everyone out there watching and listening right now and don't know who you fine gentlemen are, let's kick off this podcast with a couple origin stories. Uh, Peter, I'm going to start off with you. Um, walk me through the origin story of how in the hell you got started in this little world we call the automotive industry. Uh, it was kind of strange, actually. I, I moved out to California. I'm, a, I'm actually a licensed mortician. And I um, was looking for something, something new to do at some point. And uh, I was over in Japan taking pictures and realized that I had this kind of talent. So when I came back to Connecticut after doing a stint in Japan, I um, moved out to California to go to photography school. Got kicked out of photography school for not having enough money to finish was hungry and uh, embalming bodies on the side. And uh, that is the strangest intro. I, I actually think it's like the best intro ever. Cause I'm but like I, uh, embalming bodies and automotive. But you know what though? I know Peter, I think it's so good because you know what though? I very seldomly ever find anybody in this industry and Mike, you could probably attest to this as well, who actually said, who woke up, who like grew up and was like, I'm going to get into the automotive industry and I'm yeah. going to sell cars and I'm going to help people. I'm going to help dealers do better job with their, their marketing efforts. Like no one actually says that we, I think almost everybody I've ever talked to have fallen into it. But I, yeah. but I will say, Peter, you rank right up there, buddy. With um, <laughs> funeral home and getting into the automotive business, I yeah, apologize. Yeah. I digress. Let me let let you continue. Please so tell us that origin story. When it, it went into photos, was hungry. Uh, found a local dealership on Craigslist looking for a photographer that built a studio that didn't really know how to do it uh, or use it. I uh, went over to their place and um, I knew they didn't have enough light in that studio. Brought my lights shot a couple cars, killed it, agreed on a price per car. And now I have myself a little account of like, uh, you know, um, repetitive uh, income doing photography. So, and I, and I love cars and I never really put the two together until that moment. Um, and so I started doing that. And then I saw the writing on the wall, uh, did a couple more and then created this, uh, you know, vendor lot photography company. Uh, fast forward to 2016, we're uh, getting lots, we had about 35 dealers, 22 photographers at that point. It was a nice business, um, but I knew it needed to go digital in some way, uh, shape or form, um, smoking some weed, moving into some new, uh, new um, digs for our, our, um, our, our offices. A couple of my friends, they own a shitload of Domino's pizzas, very smart guys. And they said, listen, you need to get this thing. Sorry, honey, I'm on the phone. Um, you need to get this thing into some sort of an app. And I was really just thinking something to organize us because we had so much data and information and whatever, but it turned out to be a photo app. So I got the wireframe guidelines together in my mind and like, like a lightning bolt that kind of hit me at that moment. Um, and so we began teaching people how to photograph their own cars using our app. So uh, 
Uh, now in 2020, we're at like, I don't know, a little over 100 dealers in 20 states in Mexico. And it really just boomed from there. That's awesome. What what a trip, right? Like that, yeah. that'd be a fun ride to be on. Hey, and Mike, for yourself, you know, how'd you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Nothing nearly as interesting as embalming on the side. I'm always going to remember that <laughs> know, right? for the rest of my life. Uh, I grew up in a header shop in Southern California. I, going to the races on weekends, you know, just being a car guy, a gearhead. And uh, while I was going to college, I went to work with my uncle at a Ford dealership as a tune-up technician because uh, I, you know, I worked on cars my whole life. I, I knew cars inside and out. So I um, worked my way through college uh, in a really interesting time in industry when we were transmitting, you know, tra- going transitioning from carburetors to EFI. I was very young. I was really adept and good at what I was doing, but I kind of peaked. You know, I, I got to the top of my my skill level at 19, 20 years old, and I was really not planning on staying in the car business. It was kind of a, a way to get me through school. And I had a friend of mine that was a closer up front, you know, and he uh, got to wear a tie all day, got to stay nice and clean. And in my eyes, it looked like he was just jacking around. All day. I, I love the that you used the word closer, by the way. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I I find that you know a lot of the younger people that get into this industry have no bloody clue what a yeah, closer know. is. But I I, I apologize, leader, I digress. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. The closer, you know, it's it's classic, right? So the the early '90s, the business is rocking. Sales guys were making a lot of money, and it didn't look like they were working really hard. I mean, for the most part, they were just playing grab ass and and joking around and having fun. And there's no secrets in a car dealership. You know, people talk. I, I knew what they were making. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Banging my head against the wall, going to college to start in a position, you know, as a mechanical engineer, making half of what these guys were making all day, dicking around. So I, you know, threw on a dicking tie, around. got into sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what it looked like. Um, got into sales. And of course, you know, went all downhill from there. About uh, 2005, I was a GSM of a store and I actually fired the internet sales guy. Just, you know, uh, if you're familiar with that comedy video that Joe Webb put out a many years ago about, you know, just get him in, just get him in, just get him in. Yeah. I, I, had, I had Joe on the I podcast a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's one of his best videos ever. I mean, you know, you know, what's funny. That video is almost like 10 years old, right? Yes. But I was that guy, believe it or not. When I first saw that video, I cringed because I would, the internet guy, we hired him, young guy, computer savvy, kept coming up to the sales desk right when I was busy working six deals, you know, trying to put people in contracts and doing all these things. Hey, Mike, can I get a quote for this guy? I'm like, no, just fucking bring him into the store and sell him a car. So I ended up firing him. I got an opportunity at a, a fairly large Honda store here in Southern California. And uh, I'm on the desk working deals. The GM calls me into his office. He goes, hey, Mike, I need you to do me a favor. I'm like, yeah, whatever you need. He goes, I need you to take over our internet sales department because we got four guys over there that are just, you know, not not making it. They're nice guys. They weren't making it on the line. So we put them over there, kind of didn't know what to do with them. We don't want to just fire them. They're decent salespeople. And I'm thinking, I don't even believe in internet sales. So I kind of tried to get out of it. And he finally said, well, the thing is, Mike, I'm the boss, so I need you to do this. And I really liked the company I was working at, and I wanted to make a go for it. So I kind of had to just take everything that I thought I knew about internet sales, clear it all off, and approach it differently. And that's what kind of started me in the whole 
digital world rather than just looking at how can I get a lead to get a customer? How can I use digital on a bigger spectrum to try to help the dealership that I work in? So I spent a lot of years running stores with a digital mentality uh, after converting that internet and, and trying to figure out on my own from 2005, there wasn't a whole lot of people out there like you you know, no, no, no. People. That's what I'm saying, Mike. Like, I'm actually kind of impressed in 2005. I mean, that's about when I received, you know, my same title, you know, of internet operations manager, because, you know, honestly, they didn't know what the hell to call me. <laughs> they, right. Like, it, the, the position didn't exist. So, yeah, we, we both kind of got into that, you know, really early on. And, and, um, I, I'm curious, was BDC also kind of in your wheelhouse as well, or was that still kind of everything a separate was thing? My wheelhouse. See, okay, I was so I was the same way. So it was, it was just everything was kind of dumped onto me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. The printer. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Uh, me and you are the exact same then. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, just because I held the title of Internet Operations Manager, uh, the FNI manager's uh, printer went bad for some effing reason. They thought I was the person they should be calling. Exactly. All the all the digital marketing, give it to the internet guy. You know, all the vendors that were walking in, Cars Direct, Cars.com, Auto Trader, send them over to the internet guy. So I ended up having to wear a lot of different hats, not realizing it and trying to perfect them all. And about two years ago, um, after 30 years of running dealerships and the hours and the headaches and baby babysitting grown men that, you know, <laughs> should be self-motivated no that, uh, <laughs> that don't know how to use their blackberries <laughs> yeah i just finally said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do things a little bit more on my own i had an opportunity to go to work for a dms company called dealer built so now I'm, I'm consulting with stores that use our software i have about 90 stores that i work with uh, up wow. until two months ago you know i'm traveling across the country working with dealerships to try to help them increase their efficiency and, and get better at what they're doing, which is really a joy for me because teaching and leading and sharing has always been my favorite part of managing, you know, to, to hire a salesperson, to give them the skills, watch them thrive, know that he's able to earn a living and support his family better than ever before. That's just such a high that you can't get anywhere else. And like yeah. you said, no one really starts off getting into the car business on purpose. We all end up in it accidentally, but those that, that do it right, find out this is a legitimate career. This is a very rewarding, satisfying career. It's a great place to do business and it's full of amazing people. Car business has the most amazing people that, of any industry. I, I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, I, I got into the business with a buddy of mine in university go, Hey Jay, you like selling shit, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I like selling shit. You ever thought about selling cars? You like cars? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll try that out. I mean, it's lit I seriously think that's about the about the 45 second conversation that went down. Little did I know that that person actually got a $500 referral fee or a, a bonus if I went and actually worked for the dealership. So that was that's what you stayed there three months, me. right? Yeah, exactly. If I stayed there for three months, he got paid 500 bucks for me being yep. there, and that little shithead didn't even give me a penny of that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's what kicked me off in this industry, right? And it, I, I, you know, once it's in your blood, man, it's hard to get it out. Like it, it, it just becomes a part of you. You love the people, you love the customers. You, you, it's the challenge. And it's really the challenge. And you know what? That's a good segue kind of into our conversation today, guys. I mean, talk about a challenge. I mean, you know, I mean, Mike, you've been through it. Peter, you went through it. You remember 2008. You remember yeah. the challenges oh, yeah. that we went through, you know, then, <clears throat> you know, now, now, now that was a challenge of economics. 
you know, customers were concerned, you know, what would happen if they if they lost their job? You know, should I buy a car? I'm not should I not buy a car? I'm not sure if I'm going to have a job. Now, I mean, this is this this is social. I mean, it entirely changes the game. I mean, you know, I mean, the economics impacted our industry for a brief period of time. And when we came out of that, we had... remember in 2008, gas was $5 a gallon here in Southern California. That's very Home true. That's very true. Lost all over the place. There were so many other factors that were driving it. So now gas is cheaper than it's ever been, but we still can't get out and, and use the gas. So it's it's a really, really weird time. It, it is really a weird time. I mean, I was just, I mean, to your point, I mean, Mike, I was, I, I went, filled up my Nissan Armada, which if anybody listening and watching, Peter, you know what those are like, everyone knows. They're, they're, it's a boat on wheels. That's really what it is. It cost me 70 bucks. Canadian. I'm like, holy crap, this is cheap. But anyways, guys, that's actually a perfect segue into kind of our conversation, you know, talking about what this new norm is going to look like for our industry. And Peter, you can kind of talk about it from kind of the the online merchandising side. Mike, you can kind of talk about it from, you know, the operations and the DMS side of the business. So I'm excited to get into today's conversation. But before we kind of get into that side, I'd actually kind of, I'm very curious on what your guys' current norm is. So Peter, I'll start off with you, dude. What's, what is your current norm right now? When we talked like a month ago, my current norm was like strictly damage control, uh, just to see, you know, how much water we could bail out of the boat uh, to keep everything floating. Um, we obviously, you know, temporarily laid off some people just because we wanted to take them out of the field. Like I mentioned to you before, we weren't getting a lot of leadership from some of the bigger conglomerates we work with, and I won't name names. Um, but it came to a point on uh, March 30th, March 31st, when I just said, hey, listen, April 1st, guys, we're pulling our people out of the field. And, and it still was a, a, it's a smaller portion of our business, but it was half of our revenue, right? Because we charge more for, to actually visit the store and take photos and video and so forth. And I just said, listen, um, we're pulling these people out of the field for the health and safety of not only them, but you guys as well. Everyone's touching keys, driving cars, moving things around. You've already sanitized them, all the stuff. Here's our photo system device. And we're gonna show you how to use this thing. We're not gonna charge you for April. And we're gonna give you 20% off anything you shoot on it for May. And that That's way, your cars are covered and anything you send through, we'll have it professionally edited and we'll critique you along the way. So if your pictures start to look like shit, we're going to bring you up or, or, or talk to the porter that you have doing it right now. We'll train them individually, a bunch of instructional videos, et cetera. And that worked out pretty well, but about two weeks into that, um, and I'm not really sure that this is answering your question, but I guess it's going towards what my new norm is. Um, I kind of just decided I'm done with the full service uh, photography industry. And in my, uh, you know, uh, the software itself has been taking off, um, you know, for three years now. And it's been hard to cut the cord uh, with um, full service. And the only reason is um, it is a good source of revenue, but it is far less profitable uh, all around um, because there's so much labor involved. And we're in California, Mike, I know you probably know all about that. And, and, and it's, it's just very expensive. And so in, in what I did was I, I took the analytics um, for what the, like any given dealer, dealer A, and took uh, the amount of vehicles we photographed for them from February 1st, 2019, all the way to January uh, 31st, 2020. And we got an average of the amount of units we did for them per month and the average of what we they paid us per month. 
And then we took the cost of photo assistant plus the cost of a reasonable amount of labor, whatever that would be, and showed them the tens of thousands of dollars they would be saving by switching to taking photography and video in-house. And you would be, it's the ones that I thought would just go, Peter, this is great. Let's do it. Those are the guys who gave me the most uh, what we got to hire labor now? We can't do that. This is California. And I just thought, Jesus. And then it was the ones that I thought would be the most troublesome or the to convince, even though I'm very uh, strongly showing them how much money they're going to save. Um, it was those ones that just said, this is great. We're not going to hire anyone else. We have someone doing it now. It looks great. You're saving us money. We're in. So we were able to take those uh, about 60% of those full service dealers and bring them over to software. And then the, the unfortunate thing here is that, uh, you know, that I had to permanently lay off um, a bunch of um, individuals who were really great and really there, um, you know, building the company and good people. But at the end of the day, um, tough times call for tough decisions. Needed to do what was right for the rest of the company, not the company itself, but the other people working here. And then the path of least resistance, but also doing the hardest thing. So um, the new norm is uh, we're getting in leads. We've sold, I think, like eight new accounts this month or something um, all over the country. And, you know, we're just happy to be there. So we have a good path forward and uh, we have a plan and um, it's looking pretty great. So, well, uh, you know what, though, you know, Peter, you know, I find that your, your, your story is pretty consistent. I find a lot of businesses, vendors and dealers alike, like I don't care who, right, are really staring down the barrel of how do I do more with less? You know, Listen, I, I, it's going to be a fundamental fundamental theme this year. I really think it it's really be. is trimming the fact. Like I had a couple of people that were on salary that weren't working full 40 hours. And at the end of the day, I had to say, guys, like, I, we can't do that anymore. Before it was okay. You're my buddy. I've known you for five years. We can't do that. If you're going to be working here and you're going to be on salary, you need to be productive and you need to be asking yourself, what are we contributing not only to the business, but how are we reaching out to the dealers and asking them what they want and what they need? And are we doing okay? Can we do anything better? All those things um, that you'd think would come naturally, but years of doing great, you know, you just get fat. And, no, no, no. I'm with you, man. I, we're we're, we're right. entering an era of efficiency and productivity. I mean, that's really lean, what it is. Lean, it's lean it's it's mean. exactly. It's it's more with less. Hey, Mike, for yourself, um, I'm very curious, man. What, what's what's the current norm look like for you, sir? This is my current norm. Um, <laughs> until now, you know, part of my this has always been kind of part of my job. You know, sitting in front of a computer working on the phones with dealers, uh, kind of being a, a go between between our support team and dealerships. Um, I insert myself quite a bit only because I came out of the dealership world. I know what it's like to use a DMS. I know what it's like to use our DMS and others. And I know how our DMS works. And the thing about computer software is, is the guy that's coding it. I love them. I love our whole, our whole team, but they don't necessarily always know how a dealership uses our software. So sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect. You know, a, a dealer, you know, GMs, desk guys, you got a customer in front of you and, and the system doesn't work. You're not going to call and say, hey, when I press this key, you know, they call and they go, look, I got a fucking customer. I need to deliver this fucking car right now. You guys need to fix this shit. And the, then the developer's like, That's exactly okay, how the conversation you, goes. <laughs> 
can you, you know, what, when you hit this key and he's like, what, what do you mean? It doesn't fucking work. You know, so a lot of times I just, I, I'll insert myself to try to help out dealers. So a lot of my job is, is this, but the part that I'm missing most and that's frustrating me unbelievably is getting out into dealerships and talking to car guys, you know, standing at the sales desk, talking to the sales managers, getting the feel for what's going on in your showroom. You know, how can I help you get more efficient? And just, after that conversation about the basics, then you just start talking about car things. You know, how's the business? What's selling good? What's not selling good? When you're in the service department, you know, what's working for you guys? You liking the, the, the texting components? You know, just that conversation and camaraderie is what I'm really missing. I'm just like jonesing to get out into a dealership and, and talk to some people again in person. I mean, I'm talking to them all day, but it just seems like I'm not there. No man, I look, dude. I'm with you. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I drive eight thousand kilometers a month. I mean, for everybody that's listening to the U.S., it's right around five thousand miles a month. You know, visiting dealership to dealership, and I spend a lot of time in airports. And like, I am, I, I, I enjoy being a road warrior. Like, I really do. I, I find, I find the in between, com, uh, in between meetings and stuff like that. I find levels of productivity that I, I, I don't normally get, and I like getting prepped and ready for that next conversation or the next presentation or the next strategy session like i really 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 enjoy you know sitting down with the dealership and deep diving into their operations and understanding their marketing and their operations needs and you know my consulting brain just kind of lights up and i'm just like i'm ready to go so i'm i'm with you i'm look i'm, I'm doing a lot sure, of virtual when I walk calls, out but i'm to, with you when i leave a dealership and and i'm walking out to my little rental car and i know that i helped someone maybe save 5 minutes in the course of their day and you Best feeling ever. 5 minutes over the course of the week and i just feel like it's a score it's a victory i'm like yes i did something good i, I helped them get more productive and even though i'm still kind of doing that i just don't get that little <laughs> oh i hear you man i'm i'm, I'm with yeah. you there you know and and that that's actually a good segue way. And Peter, I know you know the exact same thing too. It's like you crush out, man, a real good, you know, uh, 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 video session or a picture session, and it's like those go up, and they just everyone's so happy, and the customer engagement's high. Like, it's it's fun to be able to be in the dealership and do that. But you know, look, times are changing. And, you know, so we're getting yeah. to our new norm and that's kind of what we're here to kind of talk about. And I think both of you guys are kind of in a very unique position. You guys both play a very unique cog within the wheel of that dealership, you know, and I think your guys' perspective is going to be unique on this of kind of what that new norm is going to look like. I mean, I, I think a lot of there are people out there that are saying, well, you know, we're going to get back to normal. We're going to get back to normal. I, honestly, guys, I don't believe we are normal. Like the customer has changed. Changed. It'll look different. You know, it is yeah. fundamentally different. I mean, I think I the customer changed a long time ago. I, we just I didn't agree. recognize it. I agree. The customer isn't that different yep. now, six weeks after this. They were already different. This they, they, they were already going eyes. into this. I think what this does just now solidified that, right? The yeah. fact of the matter is that I will probably never walk into a grocery store again in my life. Like, dude, I got three kids under the age of 10. Like what the hell was I thinking walking into a grocery store? That was the stupidest idea in the world, right? But the fact that I can go on there and incredibly smooth, streamlined, frictionless process, go boop, 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 order my stuff, pull up to the place, pop open the pop open the hash, they drop it off, I go home. Like that, the customer has fundamentally changed. Their expectation of what a buying experience is going to be moving forward has just 
boom, it's elevate, it's elevated now, right? But to your point, Mike, it's it's been elevating for a long period of time. It's just now as an industry, we are forced to now be in that place. So it's like, I don't think we're changing because, you know, this coronavirus forced us to change. We're changing because the customer has has now expected us to change. Peter, I'm going to say it's been there. It just took a massive shift. Oh, man. To, get yeah. it, to change the paradigm. You know, I saw a cartoon this morning. Uh, a friend of mine, Kathy Cruz, shared it. And it says, uh, you know, what led the digital transformation at your business? Was it A, the CEO? Was it B, the CTO? Or was it C, Corona? And it's sad to say that it's the, totally the sad. pressure has been there. Customers have been asking for more digital uh, experience, more touchless experience. They want to be communicated with the, the medium that they're comfortable with, like texting or what have They've been asking for all these things for so long and us as an industry, we've been resistant. We've been saying, you know, hey, you guys still need to buy cars the way we want to sell them. You have to follow our chain of, of rules. Yeah. We're not going to bend for you. But now it's the, the global meteor that's making these dinosaurs kind of evolve. Oh, dude, I everything's been I, thrown out the window. So, Peter, let's let's start right. with you. Like, what what is your yeah, thoughts, sorry. man, on like how you think this new norm is going to play out for us as an industry? I, I think it, it, from a business to business perspective, like you, Mike, going into the dealership or me, um, in terms of sales, I feel like um, you can really be you because we've all been in front of our closets or in our houses. So they're kind of used to like understanding that maybe there's going to be a kid that runs around in the background like there was just a few minutes ago. And like you can really just cut right through the bullshit and go, this is what we have. This is what it's going to do for you. And this is. Uh, how we're going to do it instead of this, like, well, can you give me a deal? Cause you know, car dealers, they all want to make a deal. And at the end of the day, like you have a certain cost that you need to stay uh, within so that you make sure that that transaction is profitable. Otherwise, I think that's a really good it? point, Peter. I mean, and I, you're I just think going right through it. You're right. Customers don't want to waste time. Dealers don't want to waste time. Everybody nope. wants to get to that end goal. Isn't that cool? Like, I mean, Mike, you've been in the industry for a long time. Peter, you've been in the industry for a long time. I mean, isn't it kind yeah. of exciting that both now the customer and the dealer wants to get to the end of the transaction right. as quick as humanly yeah. possible? Right. Peter, I apologize. It Go ahead. Dance it's around okay. to get to the same page. We start on the same page and we just make progress. And it should have been that way the whole time. Like you were telling, Mike, you were saying since 2005, you've been trying to convince dealers that this is the way to go. Since 2009, I've been telling them better pictures equals better customer experience. Faster pictures online trims down your time to market and saves you money, like tons of it at scale. So, right. you know, now you're just cutting right through that. And it's like, this is how things need to be done. This is how the customers are going to reach out to you. And that's how you sell the car to customers and go. And so there's no more wishy-washiness. It's really great, actually, I think. I'm with you. Everything is going to be much more streamlined. The customer wants to streamline. The dealership wants it more streamlined. And, it can, and the other thing I'm actually finding right now is talking to a lot of dealerships out there that are now engaging with customers over devices like this, you know, over video conversation, is that the customer is more in tuned to what they say and the information that they're being given so that the process is actually being streamlined in that sense because there's not so much distractions. Um, Mike, uh, your thoughts on this, dude. How do you think the new norm is going to kind of play out for us? Oh, you're exactly right. The communication process is shorting. 
because we're not dancing around a bunch of BS stuff. We're just getting right to the chase and the customer either likes it and moves forward or they don't and they say why. And it, it, it's it's refreshing. It's really going to get down to the, 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 the part that's that matters, the, the important part, which is selling, whether it's selling a car or selling a service. You know, when I was training salespeople, I always trained them, sell yourself, sell the product or sell the dealership and then sell the product, you know, tell them your story, get them to like you, tell them why you're the right guy to, to handle their, their needs or right gal. Then you sell the dealership, why this is the right place to do business. And then you sell the product. We can cut through all that quickly now and establish that trust easily by yeah. answering the customer's questions directly in a way that they're comfortable with. Six months ago, you know, I was telling dealerships, well, you know, texting is a big thing, but the reality is back in 2000, I think 11, 2012, when I was a GSM at a store, I had my my sales team using Google Voice because I didn't want them using their own personal cell phone numbers, you know, before all the, yeah. the laws and privacies changed. And the reason I did that was strictly selfishly motivated. When they were having text customer communications with customers, I had no way to track it. I didn't know what they were saying. So by having them use Google Voice, I can now say copy and paste that conversation and put it in the notes in your CRM. So now I can go back and see what's been said. If you're off the next day and the customer comes in and says, well, Joe told me I could get it for $3.75 a month, I can reference the notes. Now I have all that stuff. A year later, a company called ZipWhip comes around and they were able to use our landline number as the text number. So if a customer did call the number back, it went right to the store. I mean, there, I've been a texting fan, not that I, at first, by no means am I trying to say that, but I was digging on texting six years ago. But, but, but no, I mean, Mike, you're- And you're, now you're, I'm you're... telling people, you know, you should really be using texting more. And I can't believe that I'm still saying that. It's it's 2020 now, folks, and you're not using texting throughout your dealership. But now in the last three weeks, dealerships are calling me going, hey, didn't you guys have some kind of texting thing? Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> no, no, it's crazy. Hey, guys, my, yeah, my, my last car, ago. my last car, the Armada I, I bought, I, I, I guarantee you I did over 80% of that transaction via text message. Like I did. I just, I just, I... I, I called the dealership. Once I got on the phone with a person, I said, look, I'm really hard to get a hold of. If you send me an email, it may get lost in 1,500 other emails I get on a daily basis. If you could text message me that, I can guarantee you I can get back to you as quick as possible. You know, I saved it in there as that that, that Nissan car guy. So it's like I knew who was texting me, so I was able to respond quickly. But I, I think what it is, and Mike, you were kind of alluding to it, is that the expectation now is that as an industry, we can't control what the process is going to be. We, as an industry, we have to be flexible enough, all right, to actually let the customer steer the process, which is totally like a fundamental mind shift or, or for us. It's just like, that's not that. new for us. It scares the shit out of them. It does, right? But I think it all starts online. Like, I think everything starts online, right? Like, you know, I mean, Mike, you've been in the industry long enough to know, and Peter, yourself as well, you know, to know that, you know, a lot of dealerships out there treated their online website as a glorified brochure. That's all it was. Oh, yeah. It was mm. just a glorified brochure. And now I'm beginning to realize, I'm seeing a lot of dealerships, I'm beginning to see a lot of dealerships realize, thank God they're realizing this, all right? But this is actually an extension of their brick and mortar business and they're treating it so but that all starts online and i'd like to kind of get your guys's thoughts and opinion of what dealerships need to do all right with their online dealership 
moving into this new norm. Peter, I'll start with you. Uh, I think in California, um, generally speaking, people are quite hypersensitive to photos uh, in them being online. Because uh, if we kind of break it down and we know like before, call it 80, call it 90% of people shopped online first, and then they walked into the dealership with a stock number and kind of kicked the tires at that point. And they usually went to 1.5 to two dealerships before they found their car. Uh, if I'm getting my, it's all from Cox Automotive. But now you, because everything is really online and now you need to choose that car and do that kind of thing. The window, I think the best thing that they could do right now, because that's an easy shift, right? They call us, we get the car, it's ready, it's sanitized, good. You got that part down. But the one challenge, and you asked me a similar question before, one thing that, they, that I think that they could do better always is the process from when the, you take the car in on trade or from an auction or however you get the car. Then you go through service recon detail, then photos. The car is not for sale online because no one clicks on a car without photos until it has photos. So that time period is your time to market. You can have it on the front line, but no one's going to see it. So your 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 dealership website is not a brochure. It is now literally your front line. It's the and, digital and it, dealership, right? I mean, it's, it's no different than Mike. You know how it is. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys know how it is. Yeah. It's it's no different than you know bringing in that you know that that beautiful trade in and then just shoving it in the back. It doesn't yeah. exist unless it's clean, detailed, and on the front line, right? Peter, I apologize. But if I interrupt, no, it's okay. I've interrupted you there. Like the main thing is, is get that process down. There is so we're talking about trimming the fat. There is so much fat back there. Who is responsible for what? Getting that down. Oh, I've seen dealers do it really well. And then I've walked into dealerships where you know we used to go in person to train uh, for our software. Now everything is remote, of course. But when I would get there, and you'd have forty-five percent of your cars that don't have photos, and twenty percent of them are on the front line. I'm like, who's the guy doing the photos? Oh, he is. He's the guy you're going to be training. Is he been doing the photos? Yeah. Well, he hasn't been doing the photos because the cars are on the front line. Well, yeah, but dude, you're losing money every minute. That car, you're paying for that car to sit there and there's no one that can see it. No one's clicking on it. It's insane. 100%, so man, get 100% that right. process down. If you're selling cars online now more than ever, and like we're 100% at that point now, get the recon process down so that it's from the time it is to the time it gets online. That's what you need to focus on, I think. No, 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 I'm with you. I mean, I actually think moving into this new norm, process is going to be everything. everything. I mean, it is what's going to it's what's what's going to bring us the profitability. If we we are going to process our way to profitability, that's how I feel the new norm is going. Look to at be. look at it this way, did not to interrupt you, but look at the go back to your groceries. Imagine if you typed everything in, and by the time you brought your car around, your groceries weren't ready. Oh, drive me nuts! Boom! Like. What you now you're sitting out there and who's in trouble then that is literally the general manager of the store, the person in charge of getting the groceries, putting them in a bag and walking them out to the front. So there's a break in that process and they would be losing money and customers because you'd go to the next uh, shopping uh, place that, that that would get your groceries when you get there. So that process is so key to oh, making it, it's, it's going to be a huge part of it. Mike, your thoughts in in the new norm the process leading us to actual profitability. Your thoughts? 
Process and accountability. It's one thing to have a process, like but you need to get everybody bought in and everybody on board. Um, True. You know, the one thing that sales are down, uh, whether it's it's because of this, whatever, we knew sales were not going to peak in this year. And one of the things that uh, came up recently that was kind of interesting to me is the average age of vehicles in the United States is over 12 years right now. Wow. That's average. That blew me away. Isn't that I mean, higher I, than normal? I always, I feel like that's it is high. higher than normal. People are keeping their cars longer than ever because uh, there's a lot of reasons. I won't you know, go into a whole dissertation about it, but they're better built. They're lasting longer. We're financing them now. You know, I, 84, 96 month terms. People are keeping Man, their that's cars a long time. because they have to a lot longer. So they're having to maintain them. They're having to keep them going. You know, we're, we're talking about customer expectations, right? I have an app on my phone. I can order a pizza from Pizza Hut. And as yep. soon as it gets ordered, I see the little icon. It's kind of like a little little video game, right? I see the little icon. It goes into the oven. I see it come out of the oven. I see it get put in a box. I see it get it put into the car. I can see I where the that car app. is. I think it's awesome. It's fun, right? Well, yeah. why not do the same things with your customers and service? When the vehicle gets checked in, hey, folks, your vehicle's been checked in. The mechanic's going to be doing a multi-point inspection on it. We'll send you the results here. Boom. You get results. Looks like we also found that you need brakes. We can get that done while the vehicle's here and still meet your promise time at four o'clock this afternoon if you let us know now. Yes, let's go ahead and get those brakes done. The customer expectations are there. We now have an opportunity as an industry to move the whole business into that expectation. You know, I've always said the car business can be better than we allow it to be. And I think now it's exciting because we True. have the opportunity to really catch up with what our customers are waiting for us to do. Well, mm -hmm. you're being a little kinder than I, I would be. I would say we, we got the kick in the ass. Yes. All right. To say that we have to do this. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I know Mike, you're playing the, like, like we, we, we can, can't, we can kind of do this. We, you know, but no, actually, I don't think we even have an option here. Like, well, like I gonna, literally if, think if we're going to make it through this. We're going to have to catch up with the customer. It, it is, I, you know, and I hate to say it because it sounds totally cliche, but it is like straight up adopt or die kind of time frame. This is what we're talking about. Like it's well, like it, I said, accountability is the key exactly. right now. Things are a little bit slow. I'm not saying all dealerships are dead, but a lot of people have a lot more time on their hands than they used to have. So now is the time for a GM to walk through his dealership, grab a service advisor and say, how fast can you write my car up? I just pulled into the service drive. Show me how fast you're doing it. And any glitches in the system, any hesitations, now is the time to identify them, get that guy that extra training. If the salesperson, hey, Put me into the CRM right now. If I walked into this dealership showroom, put me in the CRM, get me into a demo. How long does it take you? And if he's stalling going, uh, well, uh, let me uh, open up the screen. Those, now is the time to really refine all that stuff so that your processes are being put into place. It's one thing for a GM to roll out a process and then you know go on vacation and not stick around to see if it's getting put into place. But it's yeah. another right now to roll up our sleeves and hone <clears> those processes. And then when we do get to a place where we start rehiring to get back up to full speed, you're not just throwing bodies out there. You're not just trying to maintain, I need to have 10 salespeople on the floor at all times. You can hire the right person. You can hire him and put him into some training to get him indoctrinated into the culture of the store. Because it really doesn't matter what CRM, what DMS, what, what textings, all those tools are just that. They're tools. When I was a mechanic, I had a huge toolbox. I was very proud of it. I had a snap-on toolbox, a brand new, shiny. I put my snap-on tool guy through 
all his kids through college because all he had to do was I come say, out. You didn't finance that with Snap-on, did you? Put it in my toolbox <laughs> and charge me next week because I had the nice. You, you didn't finance it through Snap-on, did you? Because that's like a whole I other did. podcast I can talk I about did. right I there. Like, like I, 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 I know I'm totally getting off subject here, but I actually do believe that companies like that are putting technicians out of business because of the never, 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 never plan. And they're, anyways, I apologize. Anyways, go, go on. Oh, I continue. was paying off it when I got into sales. I was still paying on my tools two years after using See? them. I totally agree with you. But all those tools by themselves didn't do the job. I had to pick up the right tool and put it to work. So all these, these sophisticated technologies, if you're not using them, they actually can create more steps and more hassle and, and more resistance. So you got to get everybody bought in. And now's the time to do it. Now's the time to get everybody together, circle the wagon, say, I've got you. I'm here for you. I'm kept the doors open and gave you the ability to earn a living for your family through this. Now let's all make sure that we've got each other. Let's let's get each other's backs. Let's make sure our processes are dialed in and make sure we're best serving these customers because that's who's paying us. Really. I take uh, I take ten GSMs like you any day of the week, Mike. <laughs> no, I, you, I, if, I agree. I'm with Peter on that one. That account, <laughs> that accountability, uh, going to that accountability thing is if you have a GM that says, "Hey, I want that done." Literally right. on on April first, they did it. He goes, "Hey, I want you to do that." We had a trainer go over there, COVID, mask, the gloves, and everything showed up, and the guy goes, "Yeah, I'm not taking those pictures with that thing." But I, just like that. that's a true look. And it was guys. just like, what? You got to make sure accountability is huge. Yeah. Well, a tool is only as good as how well someone can use it. And, yeah, sure. and, and that person is only as good as the person that's leading that person. You know, I'd like, I, I hate to say it as an industry, though, you know, when it comes to leadership training and development. All right. We, we spend all of our time about how they make more money on a deal. We very seldomly actually ever teach them how to lead people how to actually document and develop out processes. Like I'm actually okay with what's going to happen over the next 24 months because I think the cream is going to rise to the top. Yeah. All right. I think so. The, the, the dealerships out there that operationally got their shit together. All right. Are going to really come out of this on top. And then I hate to say 100%. it, but there, there are going to be some dealerships out there guys that they're not going to make it. Sure they're not. not, they're not coming out of this. And, and I'm yeah, actually like okay with that. In 2008, when we were talking earlier, there were dealerships that didn't make it. And I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying good, but there's a chance that maybe those dealerships didn't make it because they weren't adapting. They weren't doing the right things. So maybe the industry and the consumers are better off. Maybe the consumers are better off having choices of dealerships that are doing the right thing, that are doing it for the right reasons than those dealerships that were just in it, you know, just to rip as many heads off as they could and then couldn't make it through to the other side of it. And guys, that's yeah. what we're talking about here. I mean, the overall theme of both of all three of us, what we're all talking about right now is adapt. So let, let me ask you guys this question real quick because I know we're getting tight on time. But let me ask you this question from both of you. All right. Uh, a couple pro tips on uh, what you would say to a dealership staring down the barrel of adapt or die situation. Peter, I'll start with you. Uh, that, that, that process, process and accountability, like, how do you get that car in? Who's responsible for the RO? Who's going to do the service? What happens exactly? I mean, literally down to who he gives those keys to in recon. Does it need bumpers? Get that part done. Then give it to detail. I don't care if it's 
eight parking spaces on your parking lot, park all the cars that don't have photos there. Don't put them on the front line because they need to be photographed first before you put them on the front line. Put a sticker there, make sure the porter takes them out there or maybe the porter's taking the photos too, but get that process down. I think during the normal before, uh, it was what, how, how can we just keep uh, getting more sales than we did last month? That's it. That's all we're worried about. That's all we're worried about. Sales, sales, sales. And in the back, uh, the process is broken and everyone's running around bumping into each other and it doesn't quite work. If you can do that and then service the customer who's coming through the door, who already has bought the car online, just deliver the damn car, but get them online as quickly as possible and get them to the customer as quickly as possible. I that some great, that's some great advice, Peter. Hey, hey, Mike, for yourself, for any dealership out there staring down that barrel of adapt or die, what advice would you give them? Right now, it, it's just those numbers that I was talking about earlier. You know, the average age of cars is 12 years. That's staggering. People are going to keep their cars even longer through this. There are a lot of people that were planning on buying a car this summer that maybe are just going to put it off a little bit longer because they're unsure. They don't know what's good going to happen. So traditionally in dealerships, you know, and, and not to take away from Peter, but traditionally in dealerships, all our marketing and all our effort is driven on presenting the new cars, getting the sales, getting the use. It's all about sales. I get that. I was a GSM for many, yeah. many years. And it but should I also, be. I started yeah. as a tech. So no matter how high I've gotten up in sales, I've always, you know, my heart's been in the, in the service department and the service department is tremendously underserved when it comes to marketing and building value, retention for well, customers. The department that brings in over 50% of your net profit the, gets less than 5% of your marketing budget. Part of the, the, mm. the dealership. So this has kind of given us an avenue to really look at our fixed odds departments. You know, how are we marketing to our customers? How are we letting them know we're still here to keep their cars safe and reliable while they're going through this. Um, what are we doing to, to help them ease their, their fears of coming into a dealership? You know, what kind of tools are we using? Making sure we're educating our customers on the steps that we're taking for them to, to increase their security and trust that you're dealing with the right dealerships. Because right now, you know, the little corner oil change places that are going on, you know, with their little $5 coupon specials for getting an oil change, maybe they're not taking the proper steps to keep your car sanitary and clean and hygienic. You know, maybe the dealership is the best opportunity right now. It used to be, it was just a price war. Everybody thought, well, dealerships charge more for service. So I'm just going to go to, you know, Joe's oil change place on the corner, but now there's more to it than that. And the more we can educate the customers that there is an additional value of dealing with the dealership in addition to factory train and give factory parts and the warranty and all that. But there's that extra personal touch I think is really going to help. Can I can I just say one more thing, Jason, before Absolutely. We, we go? So it's 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 easy for us to like criticize like, yeah, the car dealers and the sales and they should do whatever. But like if we could just break it down into actionable steps, right? So if you took that GSM, you take his G uh, GM, GSM, and use car manager, maybe the, the top brass, right? Get them in a room and say, what three things are the most important things that you guys can see that we need to do in order to make our process, our accountability, and the customer service is always number one there. But what three things can we do? And then they say, oh, you know, a bunch of ideas, whatever it is. Everyone's sitting in YouTube anyway. What do you got to do? Just sit everybody in a room, get those three, three ideas down. Then take that one of those ideas and just do that idea that week and then do the next idea the next week. Because I think what happens is 
they go, oh, that fucking process in the back is a mess. And they, 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 they feel like it's, it's overwhelming, right? And especially they're trying to beat last month's numbers. They're doing this. So take the one idea, take it in bites and figure that out. And then write down the other two because next week we're going to work on it. But have an actionable plan. And over the course of three weeks, you can turn three major departments around really quickly with not a lot of people as long as you hold them accountable and put the process in place. And it can happen uh, fairly simply. No, look, guys, I, I think we're all singing the exact same song here. It's all about process and accountability. And it's like, what's that old saying? You know, how do you eat an elephant? A bite, bite at a time. time, right? One bite at a time. And, and, that's, and that's literally what we're saying here, guys. We're not saying you have to go out and just throw out your entire playbook and restart all over. But you do need to take it a bite at a time and understand that it's the customer that's demanding the way we change our business, both on the sales and service side. Guys, before I let you go today, you know I get to ask you my favorite question of the day. And I prepped you before we started, so you guys are all ready for this, I'm sure. But I get to both ask you, what is pissing you off? So Peter, I will start off with you. Everybody wants to know out there, what is pissing Peter Duffy off? Uh, not much, man. I'm, I'm just rolling with the punches at this point. I'm actually really happy about the direction we're going. It's all those I'm, California I'm vibes. How did I know that was going to happen? I'm happy, <laughs> I'm happy that, uh, I guess, you know, if it had to be, um, uh, yeah, I can't even get it. It's a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but I, I'm pretty happy with the direction the way things are going. So, um, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be in this industry and I'm happy to be able to try and make a difference too. So it's fun. I'm confident. That's I don't do it California for the money. Vibes, I do it for man. the I'm you, Every single person I've had on this podcast from California, I ask them the question like, I'm good. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, guys, I'm literally <laughs> looking out my window and it's snowing right now. All right. Oh, and and, and Peter, what's 80. the temperature right now where you are right now? Oh, it's like 78 or something. Yeah, like go that. F yourself. Um, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Mike, for yourself. It's funny. It's beautiful in Southern Cal right now. I know, yeah, see, yeah. guys, that's what I'm saying. I'm staring at snow. You guys are beautiful. That's why That's why you guys are never pissed off. All right, Mike Correra, <laughs> what is pissing you off, sir? You know, there's a lot of big things going on, but it, it sounds kind of trivial, but I'm a car guy. You know, I'm, I'm just a car guy. I love cars. And three years ago, I was running a, a, a dealership in Riverside, and I got tired of driving all the way down to Aliso Viejo or some of the other places for a cars and coffee, you know, and just hang out with some car people and see some cool cars. So... I started to open up my dealership on a Sunday morning once a month uh, to some hot rodder friends and it grew into something. And when I got out of the car business, I actually continued it. Um, Riverside Cars and Coffee takes over the Riverside Auto Center and we'll pull 250, 275, sometimes 300 cars. Um, just a non-formal gathering. You know, I, I buy uh, 20 gallons of coffee and I put 18 dozen donuts out there. And it's just kind of a selfishly motivated way to have cars come to me. I don't got to go to them, but it's really mm. kind of a, a cool event. And it, it's not being able to have that event. I really didn't realize how much I, I enjoyed it. I don't golf. I don't, you know, fish. I don't have any other hobbies. Cars are my passion. So gathering 200 cars every month and, and seeing, smelling the the fuel and hearing the the cam, you know, it just, it, it drives me. It, it's, it's my passion and not being able to go out to my car show for two months has just racked me. That's I bet. Crazy. I bet. Oh man, that would suck. That would drive me absolutely nuts. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. For um, everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and would love to connect with you fine gentlemen, what is the best way to do? So Peter, I'll start with you. 
You can go with uh, Peter uh, Dealer Image Pro on LinkedIn. Our website is www.dealerimagepro.com. Same on uh, Instagram, at Dealer Image Pro. Awesome. Hey, Mike, for yourself, what is the best way for someone to connect with you? I am uh, most active on LinkedIn, uh, Mike Carrera, Mike the Car Guy. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Mike the Car Guy. You just search Mike the Car Guy, you'll find me. Uh, our dealership, uh, Dealer Built website is you know www.dealerbuilt.com. If you want to have any of your DMS questions answered, I'll be happy to have a conversation with you anytime. Awesome. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a Thank lot you. of fun. It was an honor, man. Thanks, Thank you. Jason. You guys have a good doing. one. Have Thank a great day. Bye.